It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK. Beer Geeks Radio Hour here on the Sports. Yeah. Oh my God. On WYLK <laughs> News Radio. It was bound to happen sooner or later. This is a great way to slide into this Sunday afternoon. It's beautiful outside. It looks like it might get a little rainy later. I wasn't really paying attention to the weather report that was just set a couple seconds before <laughs> I jumped on the air. You know, I got those brain barriers that, you know, those brain barriers I like is that to what we're um, them? selectively <laughs> build or put up. But we're all here, the Beer Geeks, and we have a great show ahead of us. How are you do. doing today, Dirty Derek? Oh, I'm doing really good. We have a great one today, too, which I'm happy about. Because we have Jax Abbey from mm, Framingham. Nice. Uh, Framing them if you're up in the uh, Framing them. Mass area. And uh, they are a phenomenal brewery doing some really awesome lagers. And we're talking to Jack himself. Jack Hendler is going to be calling in. Sounds very good. And we got Backyard cool Billy. I'm here. Look at Derek. Look at his beard. He's getting a little um, shabby there. Are you guys racing with the beards uh, or something uh, like that? Attempt. <laughs> I, I get yelled at all the time to trim mine. I get yelled at for yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, when, you, when you're with a lady and uh, she, she cares about how you look oh, yeah. in public, you get a lot of crap. And I'll tell you what, man. Glam is like more, the, you know, the more, you know, the more grizzled, the better. You, you know what, man? You guys are getting so shaggy. You might be on uh, losing a few beer caps in those beards in the next week or two. Well, after the, the you know, the Grateful Dead intro, I'm no, like, getting Wookiee, kind of going, going full Wookiee. Amen. This. You guys are full Wookiee, and then I need to borrow Billy's. Uh, glasses over there because of the shine off Ed's head. <laughs> yeah. Blasting me Ed's over clean. here on my face. Ed's shaving enough hey, for Kathy. All of us. It's like Mr. Clean, you know? <laughs> Put that mic on for me, buddy. Outstanding. No, you're golden. Everybody Kathy. forgets poor Ed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to borrow those sunglasses because I got Mr. Clean over here, and then you guys are blocking out. I know. I should have seen light. the light. Bouncing off his head. Yeah, yeah. Kathy. <laughs> but you're busybody in there. Um, oh. Let's talk about the beer news. Yeah, What's going on around so, the world, Derek? So this week, it's been an interesting week. Uh, the one thing that, that really popped up, you, uh, you saw a lot in social media, uh, Anheuser-Busch, you know, we always like to poo-poo big, big beer, but they actually did something really nice this week. Uh, they actually halted the, all the production at their Georgia facility and decided to start canning all the water and shipping it out to Texas and Oklahoma. So they're dividing all their water into those storm victims and everything that's been going on down there, which has been in a terrible area if you have not noticed all the flooding, yeah. which is a weird thing to think of. Like, you have an abundance of water that you don't have any water and you need to have water shipped to you, but that's what's going on with them down there. So that was a really cool thing that they did. Uh, another thing, Philly Beer Week is now going on strong. Uh, it's going to end June 7th, and yesterday I was telling the boys before, yesterday they had a really cool event to shoot, and uh, I had a chance I could have gone down to it and got some really cool things, but it's tough during the week. I wasn't able to make it, but they actually set up a 400-foot bar outside in Philadelphia, just an open bar, and they had like some of their really crazy rare beers, but there's just so much going down. Even just today, uh, let's see. Today we have a bunch of stuff going on. There's Founders is having a really cool dinner event. These are all today, so this is a really cool day. Uh, Lost Abbey's having a takeover with Tommy Arthur himself is going to be there. Uh, our good friend, my good friend Hunter from Champion Brewing, we had a while ago. He's doing another event down there called We Are the Champions. Uh, so they have that set up. And tomorrow there's a Meet the Brewer event going on with last week's guest Jeremy Marshall is going to be down there for that at Barcade. That's from 4.30 to 6.30. So there's, and if you go on their website, if you go to the Philly Beer, if you just search Philly Beer Week events, there is so much stuff I could spend the rest of the show just telling you what's going on just in the next two days. So there is so many cool things going on down there. Uh, now we're going to get into some new beers. I was telling them before, I came across this as I was getting stuff together for today's show. It's a very fitting thing. Yingling, the Pennsylvania brewery that many know and love and, and still go to, uh, they're actually going to be releasing an IPL this fall, supposedly. That's cool. Yeah, so we're going to see where that goes because they haven't really done too many new beers. They've been slowly, you know, every, it seems like every year, maybe two years, they'll have something trickle out for a little while and see how it goes. I remember Straub locally, well, they're St. Mary's PA, Western PA, but they, they were the first ones that that I've ever had an IPL from. I don't know the first IPL I had. I, mean, I can't really think. Yeah. Might, it might even be the Sam Adams one that came yeah. out, that double agent. That might have been the first one that I... I mean, that's because it was mass available. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, and then Stone, we've had them on a bunch the past couple weeks. They have their Stochasticity... <laughs> <laughs> I love saying that. The project, they have a new one that just came out, the Hi-Fi Lo-Fi Mixtape. It'll be interesting to see how that one goes. It's a, it's a blend that they did. Uh, Southern Tier, another one that they're going to be a future guest on here, too. We'll be talking to their brewer coming up soon. Uh, their Chocolate, we all know and love their Imperial oh, that's Stout. A yeah, fantastic beer. They have just released a Chocolate Orange. 
So oh, it, wow. it is that with some orange in it. So it'll be interesting to see. I haven't had that yet, but I'm looking forward to trying that one. And I was just telling Billy before, Half Acre is supposedly coming back to the, our immediate area. They actually had to withdraw from, I mean, depending on where you're at, they might have withdrew. They withdrew from a lot of areas. Yeah. They were really maxed out with their production and could not keep up with the demand because they, when they started releasing, people just were clamoring for their beers and they had to withdraw a lot. But they're starting to come back into the area now, which is a really, really good thing because they are a phenomenal brewery. Another one that does all the cans and good beer and cans. And we love to see that one. All right. There's your beer news this week. And there was a lot of news there to yeah. share. Oh, there's a, there's a lot going on. Sometimes it's tough when, the, when I'm trying to pare it down because I don't want to spend a half an hour doing the beer news. Well, some <laughs> people are like, why the hell didn't he tell me about this two weeks ago? you got to yeah. think about that person. Well, well, you know, it's, if, if you, even if you just went to Google and searched craft yeah. beer news, oh, yeah. 90% of the headings are going to say growth, growth, growth. And growth. the other 10% I mean, are lawsuits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty much it. Lawsuits yeah. and growth. Yeah, there's like so yeah. much of that. That's the one thing I really don't want to dive into too much unless there's, you know, a big one going on. But there's so many lawsuits. God forbid you would be be called to testify at one of these (laughs) shindigs that are throwing all over. All right, man. You got beer to drink. Yeah, let's dive into these now. We just cracked open. Now, Jack's Abbey, if you're listening in the immediate area on Trustor Radio, they just came there about two months ago. I think Mm -hmm. it just came in. Um, They are doing some really rapid growth, and we'll be talking to them about all that. But they are just really killing it. Uh, doing some really good lagers. All of their beers are done in the lager style, which is awesome, and they're really pushing the boundaries on what many think of as being a lager because technicality, I mean, it's just based on the yeast, like you're lagering the beer and using a lager yeast, uh, cold condition, but we'll get into that with him. Uh, but they're really pushing all the boundaries on what you have because some of these beers, and you try them, you would not think of it as being a lager. You would think of it in, you know, whatever other ale style it is. But this first one is definitely falling within that. This is their Sunny Ridge Pilsner. This is their their summer beer. This is a 5.1% ABV. Uh, it's a German Pils, but it's a really, it's just super clean. It's one of those beers where, uh, you know, sometimes when you see a name of a beer, you kind of think, well, you know, maybe the name that they wanted was taken and they just kind of settled on this one or something like that because they don't always fit the beer. But this is one like I, you know, Sunny Ridge. Like you, this is a very bright, sunny-like beer to me. Like oh, it's, it's 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 it. It is like a the perfect beer for it. Oh, a yeah. warm summer. I mean, it's perfect for today. Yeah, this is just. I mean, and, and being light at five point one, but it's just this really nice like herbal hop. No, it's not overly citrus. It's not. It, it's definitely within the noble rein, uh, mm-hmm. range, but it's not uh, as some of the other ones with that spiciness. It's much more herbal. Some 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 like um, you know German pilsners they can they can almost be have quite a bit of hop tinge to yeah. them. Yeah, this we've one is very. We've had Peebo pills on yeah. here before, like from Firestone. That one's definitely known for being a little I mean, spicy. Not, that's not yeah. German German, but I mean it's done that style. Yeah, this is very. It's very. Um, it's subtle, well balanced, yeah. um, nice. You know. Nice malt. It's it's very refreshing. So yeah, this is definitely one that's really yeah highly (laughs) highly drinkable. Like this is that's the best way to describe this beer is just it's so smooth. It's got that carbonation, but this is definitely one if you're outside doing any of the yard work or anything. Oh yeah, you just just chug in. You need to chug some beers. This this is what you would chug. You would just relax so much, and it's just so (laughs) nice that it's at five point one. It it falls within that range that you want. This is definitely you know one of those beers. If you're trying to get a friend into craft beer and they're, you know, drinking a lot of the mass-produced stuff, this would be an easy transitional yeah, beer, beer Yeah, this is definitely one that you can give to them that it wouldn't be like, oh, this is too, you know, insert complaint here. Some people have about either hops or flavor. That's the one I love. You know, this is too flavorful. <laughs> like, you know, but I mean, that happens uh, to people. <laughs> it's like, you don't know what to say when you hear you that. Drink like, water? Oh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, it's like, you know, you don't like that. I don't know what you're... <laughs> but yeah, this is definitely one that has those components of it that it's just, it's so drinkable. And in a Pilsner style, like I said on here before, the Pilsner or a Pale Ale are two great ways to, to know the brewer, to know how good the brewer is, how good his talents and skills are, because if he can pull off brewing a clean Pilsner, th- this doesn't have, you know, some um, Pilsners will have that kind of uh, gassy, t- you know, note to it mm-hmm. that you just don't like, and, and uh, this doesn't have any of that. It's just a really clean, all-around taste, smell, aroma, and everything, and, and that really showcases the talents of a brewer, because if you can have that, and you have nothing to hide behind this beer, and it's still drinkable, and it's still balanced, you got a good beer. And this is a brewery that knows how to brew good beer. And speaking of, we got the man who brewed it, 
It's coming up in a couple now. seconds, we're gonna, man. Yeah, we're yeah, going to uh, give him a little break. second to get all settled in here. But we are going to be speaking to Mr. Jack Hendler on the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK News Radio. And that'll be back after we pay some bills. Yes, we will be back. Built for business. Your business depends on the internet, but who does your internet depend on? Your human resources director slash marketing manager slash IT person slash aren't you busy enough already? Well, there's a more dependable way to depend on your internet. Comcast Business has vetted and trained more than 1,700 dedicated business specialists to keep your business up and running 24-7, 365. Business specialists specializing in your business slash internet slash Wi-Fi slash success slash you. And if you switch to Comcast Business Internet today, they're giving you a 30-day money-back guarantee with speeds up to 150 megabits per second and better value. It's a pretty smart call. Speaking of calling, here's the number. 800-501-6000. That's 800-501-6000. Or visit ComcastBusiness.com. Comcast Business. Built for business. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. WILK News Radio is partnering with Griffin Pond Animal Shelter in South Abington Township for a pet food drive during the entire month of May because many animal welfare groups choose this month as a time to focus on the need to provide food for homeless animals. Cat and dog food are the most needed items during this food drive. Drop off donations at the WILK studios on Route 315 in Pittston Monday through Friday from 8 till 5 all month long. Help out Griffin Pond Animal Shelter and and all of their homeless animals. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. I'm sitting in a bar. I'm all alone. Yeah, and okay, I'm a dog and I'm only three. But you know what? That's not all that important. I'll show you what is. Hey, Rocco. Yes, Bruno. Don't give me the usual. I want to try something new. Try the Sansalone Lager. It's delicious. <laughs> That's good. Next time you're out, don't order the same old beer. Break the habit. Try Anzalone Special Beer. Change your habits. Change your world. <laughs> Anzalone Special Beer. For P150, P150 GA, P150 OK, P150 TN, C250 A, C250 E, C250 Q. Have you put off seeing the dentist because you can't afford to go? Are big dental bills taking a big toll on your wallet? Would you like to have dental insurance but think it's too expensive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, call Physicians Mutual Insurance Company for a free information kit. See how you can help protect your teeth and your wallet for less than a dollar a day. 1-800-955-1164. This is real dental insurance that can help cover over 300 procedures. Everything from cleanings and fillings to crowns and dentures. Your acceptance is guaranteed for one of these insurance policies, even if you're retired or on Medicare. You can see any dentist you choose, and you'll never pay a deductible. Call in the next 10 minutes, and we'll rush you a free information kit with all the details. 1-800-955-1164. That's 1-800-955-1164. 1-800-955-1164. This is amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK. All right, mm. and now we are back, and we are welcoming to the show <laughs> Mr. Jack Hendler. Jack, how you doing, bud? Great, how you doing? Good, good. It's a lovely Sunday morning. So let's just jump right into all this with the brewery. So now the brewery opened in 2011, and it was you with your two brothers, now, the question is, like, how did that come about? Was it that uh, you all were into craft beer at that time, or was it kind of everybody had their own little special area, and then you just kind of all worked it all out? Well, yeah, we all had our own special area. Um, in fact, when we, when we signed the lease for our brewery back in 2011, my youngest brother, Sam, wasn't even 21 yet. <laughs> so uh, uh, he wasn't quite a craft beer connoisseur at that point. But uh, certainly things have changed in the past, past few years. <laughs> Well, legally wasn't a craft beer connoisseur. How about we throw that caveat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now, the other thing, you started this brewery as being a lager brewery. Was that in the intent from the beginning? Uh, we, we always knew we wanted to focus on lagers. It was, it was a top priority of ours. We really saw a lack of a lot of craft lagers in, in the marketplace. Um, you know, and when we opened, it, it seemed like, there was breweries opening every day, but you know now there's breweries opening like every hour. So really, being able to 
differentiate the beers we're brewing and and have a story to tell uh it was really important to us not you know, not to not to forget how how important it is for us just to be able to brew lagers but um we saw pretty quickly that there is demand and that we really were hitting on something that um, a lot of people weren't paying much attention to. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one thing we've all noticed is that that's kind of a lacking in the area because of all the, the things that are going into that. But where did this love for lagers come from from you? Like, would you spend time in Germany or anything like that? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. um, I Before I was even uh, brewing or knew much about craft beer, um, I had spent some time in Germany, and, you know, there's two parts to to drinking. One is the actual taste of the beer, but the other is kind of the social aspect, which I I think a lot of times gets missed. And I just like the culture of beer in Germany, Um, and it really was something that um, uh, inspired me to, to get into the brewing trade. So now, going, taking it from Germany and coming over here, I'm sure this is a question that you got uh, a lot when you were starting this going, so we'll just be blunt with it. You wanted to get into doing lagering at a time, you know, opening in 2011. Uh, when you told everybody, was there a reaction, are you nuts? Yes. Uh, we, we, I got a lot of weird looks. <laughs> Even from fellow brewers, people are just like, really, is that that's what you're going to do? Um, and, and I'm happy, I'm happy, uh, I don't really pay attention to people all that, that much, um, I kind of, uh, I'm happy to just kind of go my own way, and I, I think uh, it's a good thing we didn't, uh, um, not that we didn't take anyone's advice, but we, we knew who we were, what we wanted to do, and um, stuck to our instincts there. So opening up in the area you were, I, mean, I, I spent, I, I went to college up in uh, the Boston region, I lived in Alston, went to Northeastern for a while, so I'm familiar with that area, it's a really big, you know, beer area, even before beer areas were anything, uh, you know, what they are now today. Uh, what were some of the challenges that you were facing entering into that kind of market right off the start? Um, well, I mean, part of it is where we are. So we're very close to Boston, but we're not in Boston. Yeah. So, you know, getting getting our name out, getting uh, our brand out, we're, we're challenging in the beginning, particularly with loggers. It's like, who's this w- logger brewery out in Framingham, and what are they <laughs> what are they trying to sell me right now? Um, and we kind of we kind of expected that with Boston, um, just being a little bit tough for us to get into. In fact, we we decided we were only going to sell really local for the first few months, and then once we were able to prove the concept. Uh, push the beer into Boston. So it was a few months into the brewery before we even bothered going 30 miles down the road uh, into town. Yeah, Boston is a uh, notorious area for poo-pooing on pretty much everything that you give to them. <laughs> so I'm very familiar much with like that Scranton. one. Yeah. yeah, you know, you got you got two huge breweries that have really, for 25 years now, really um, pushed the envelope and people's expectations of beer. You know, Sam Adams, Harpoon, um, every bar you go into, everyone has those two beers. So everyone has an idea of what craft beer is. So that that was really helpful um, in some some levels. And then on the other level, you gotta um, compete with those two guys as well. So pluses and minuses to to trying to sell beer in Boston. People are very educated, so you, if you can put a good product out, people will buy it. But there's certainly uh, a lot of competition. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going into a region that they have a lot of base knowledge, and which kind of leads to some being very uh, unrighteously jaded, we'll say, I guess. is about trying to think of a political... <laughs> a political yeah, that does, yeah, that goes for everything, not just beer up here. Everyone oh, yeah. knows everything up here. <laughs> oh, no, I, I used to work in the music industry up in Boston. That was that was a joy, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so now, when you first opened the brewery, what, what was the volume you guys were, were starting out at? Um, our first year in business, we were only open half the year. We did 400 barrels of beer. Um, so we we had actually a pretty big brewing system. We knew we'd if we were going to do this, we needed to have a decent system. We started with a 20-barrel system. So what, what, what that meant, we were brewing once a week for like four weeks, and then we weren't brewing for a month, and then we were brewing once a week for six weeks, and then weren't brewing for a month, and then slowly it turned into once a, once a week continuously. Um, now we're brewing uh, four times a day, six, five, six days a week. So certainly production from our 400 barrels our first year went up to 
2,500 barrels, wow. 2012, 6,200 barrels, 2013. We did 14,000 barrels last year, and uh, we're right on pace to hit about 20,000 barrels this year, wow. which is our capacity. So we, we can't brew any more beer than we're currently brewing, and um, but we're in the middle of uh, building out our new brewery, which is about a mile down the road, which will be a much larger facility. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that one when we get into that. Uh, so now, when you first started, though, what, were, what was it the core beer for Jack's Abbey? Well, they, we, we, what we thought we were going to sell, we didn't really do a great job selling. Um, the, the first two beers we brewed were a Dunkel Lager and a Pilsner. Um, but the, the day we introduced Haponius Union, which is our India Pale Lager, that became our best-selling beer. And um, it's continued to be our best-selling beer. It's about, I don't know, 40% of production today. Wow. wow, okay. So now, speaking of that, that's one thing I want to talk to you about since you are the, the brewer of these. You know, doing a recipe formulation, like when you're doing something with a lager and you're trying to get that hop flavor to come through, What's some of the things you have to take into consideration concerning you have to do, you know, longer, you know, the lagering style and cold condition? What's some of the things that you have to take into consideration when you're laying out a recipe versus someone, you know, just doing an IPA? Yeah, it's a little bit different um, for for doing with lagers, and one of the key factors is is obviously the temperature. So when you're dry hopping beers, the warmer the beer is, the more hop extraction you're going to get. And then on the flip side, the colder the beer is, the so less hop extraction. So we kind of have to play with temperatures a little bit um, and time. So you got. You know, time and temperature are your two factors. We do have plenty of time, so that helps us, but our temperatures are on the cold side. Um, we don't let Hoponius Union get above 54 degrees, um, so we have to kind of keep that beer at 54 for a number of days after we dry hop to make sure that we, we get the flavor that we're looking for. And then on the, the, the really challenging part for us is we do all traditional German uh, lagering processing, which means that all of our beers are naturally fermented. Um, it's the process known as spunding, or you know, we we call it just bunging our tanks. Um, so all the tanks naturally carbonate. Now, when you're doing this with ales, you can't really do that because the temperature is so high. But because our temperature is so low, we get a full carbonation in the tank at around 50 to 55 degrees. So we're trying to add hops to tanks that are fully carbonated, which is a bit challenging. Um, so we've had to create special proprietary hop dosing. Uh, equipment so that we can uh, dose hops under full pressure um, and full carbonation in the beer. Now, are you putting, at that point, are you putting whole leaf hops in? No, there's no way we'd ever be able okay. to get whole leaf hops in um, <laughs> because, you know, you got 15 PSI and you got a one and a half inch hose. It would be, uh, it's uh, it's hard enough getting in the pellets, let alone a uh, whole leaf hop. So um, we, we only use our whole leaf hops in our hop back, which is on um, on the brew house, on the hot side, um, we don't really use. Generally, we don't use holy fops on the uh, on the in the fermentation or the cold side. Okay, that's what I was thinking. It'd be a little. Uh, you'd be gumming up a lot of things. All the oh time. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now, holy fops are add a lot of extra challenges. I mean, you, you know, even like Sierra Nevada had to develop complete new proprietary torpedoes or whatever they call them to. to extract whole leaf hop flavor yeah now one of the other things you guys have your beers as unfiltered is that to aid in the flavor profile to come through more Was that the no we um for especially for a small brewery your biggest yeah. enemy is oxygen um and you know we knew we had some real limitations as a small brewery and we wanted to do everything we could to eliminate oxygen ingress to our beer and filtration's a way that you could really introduce a lot of oxygen so it's a way for us to kind of control our shelf life and control the quality of our beer once it left the brewery um, there's obviously downsides to not filtering is you know potentially too much yeast in the bottle um, will also degrade the beer over time but um, we, we were really interested in um, um, not filtering for A, the, the oxygen, and then B, you can also strip out a lot of flavors. We don't want to take out hot flavor or, or eliminate any other flavors that the filter might take out. Okay, yeah, that's what I wasn't sure because that's something you don't really see with a lot of, you know, a lot of lagers people are used to, used to seeing it filtered pretty much, as I wasn't sure what the intent was behind it. 
Yeah, so we, we do try all of our core beers. We try to keep pretty darn bright. There is an expe- expectation of clarity for, for our beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our beers are never bright, bright, fully bright. Um, you usually have a light haze. Fortunately, our yeast drops out pretty nicely, and they have a nice long time, cold conditioning time to drop out. Um, so you never have super, super hazy beer, um, but it's more kind of a general low haze just um, uh, from whatever didn't fall out in that lagering process. Now, do you have a house yeast that you use in all of these, or do you have a, a, a variety of different ones? One yeast. I mean, that was that was kind of the r- real factor in sticking only with lagers is... It, you know, we were brewing so little in the beginning that we could only keep one yeast um, healthy and alive. So um, we really stuck with that yeast. And I, the, our house yeast is just amazingly versatile. Doesn't really matter what temperature it'll ferment at. I mean, we've had issues where glycol has stayed on the tank accidentally, and it's fermenting at like 40 degrees, and we don't. We, you know, we, we're like shocked that it's still going. And then times like when we tried to do some warm fermentation stuff, some uh, what we call it a beer to guard, so warm fermented lager at like 60. Five degrees, um, and it's uh, you know it, it handles all those different temperatures, and then it drops out really nice too. So it, it allows you to make pretty clear beer without having to filter it. Yeah, that sounds like a really good yeast to have as your number one <laughs> yeah. to go to. Yeah, and as soon as we saw how versatile it was, we we're like, all right, this is our yeast. We're <laughs> we're not messing around with it. Oh yeah, there's no point at that point. So now you're talking about that expansion you have. I was looking up this on the website, some of the things. Like you guys have a pretty ambitious uh, plan. You said it's a mile down from where you are right now. Yeah, it's a mile down. It's actually, um, it was a site the, the town of Framingham was looking to redevelop. It's been empty for a number of years. It was formerly uh, an Avery Dennison building, and Avery Dennison moved out maybe 20-plus years ago. And when they called us up the first time, it's a 67,000-square-foot facility, and we, we basically laughed at them. We are like, there's no way we're ever going to be able to utilize that sort of space. Um, but then then about six months, nine months later, we kind of saw how things were going, and we are like, well, maybe this isn't the craziest idea ever. <laughs> and we, uh, we gave them a call back, and um, you know, we were able to, to work out... Um, uh, taking over that space and we're, we're pretty happy on our end that you know at this point we need more space or we can kind of you know we're we're, we're landlocked at this point um so having that opportunity to stay in town and and grow within framingham has been really ideal for us that's the one thing that's interesting too like for how many different how many different styles do you have going uh, at normally at one time when considering you're doing loggers we have a lot of different brands yeah. i mean we always have five year-round beers we always have a seasonal and we try to put out at least one specialty beer a month um and that that may be i think it could be a specialty hopped beer it could be a very traditional german style lager um it, it can vary a lot depending on the season uh, so, yeah, we at the brewery, we always have 12 beers on tap at all times. Uh, the new brewery, we're looking to keep 24 beers on tap. Wow. And, uh, yeah, lots of different variety in, in the lagers we're doing. So when you move to this new facility, how many barrels will you start out with like from where you are now? How many will you be able to do once you get to the new place? And then from that, how big can you get in the new place? So, yeah, this year we have capacity of around 20,000 barrels in our current facility, maybe a little bit more if everything goes right. But um, the new facility will have about 45,000 barrels of capacity day one and is scalable. Um, We're putting all the infrastructure in to to be able to brew um, about 125,000 barrels of beer there. Wow, that's that's a good expansion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all the all the all the um, you know glycol and steam and the brew house will all be ready to go. All we have to do is get tanks in, hook them up, and uh, we'll be able to put out more product down the road. But we'll we'll have we'll have a number of years, we think, at least to get to that forty five thousand barrel mark. We don't think that even though we'll have the capacity, we don't think that it's going to oh, yeah. be two three years until we get close to that. <laughs> Currently, we're lucky enough to have uh, Jack Sabby distributed here in Pennsylvania, but where do you, you know, after the expansion, where do you see the 
you know, where do you see your distribution map going? Do you see going national or do you see saying, staying semi-regionally? Uh, yeah, we have no ambition of being a national brewery. Uh, we, we definitely would like to be uh, a northeast regional kind of uh, maybe maybe a little bit far, farther, maybe as far south as D.C. one day. But, um, you know, we're not even in all of New England at this point. I mean, you can drive... 50 miles to New Hampshire, you can't get our beer, or 100 miles to, to Maine, you can't get our beer. Um, it's same with, like, New York City. Um, so it, there's a lot of lot of markets that we'd like to be in right off the bat, certainly the rest of New England, New York City, uh, Pennsylvania. I mean, we, we ship beer to Pennsylvania, but it was a one-time shipment. Um, we don't have any plans of shipping more beer um, in the short term until we can um, get the new brewery online. So now, we just poured some of the uh, Hoponius Union, so let, let's talk about this one specifically, because this is the one you said this is your, your largest seller to, and it's pretty Correct. easy to see why. So now, when you are doing this, like what, what is the, the base lager style for this? Is uh, we, we, we do make a lot of things up, so <laughs> <laughs> there, there is no real... Um, traditional style of beer that really goes that's related to Hoponius Union. That was we we kind of saw the need for a, a hoppy lager. Um, there's a few people brewing IPLs before us that we had tried. Uh, I don't know of anyone who did a year round or anyone who really put much focus on one. But um, uh, we're like, how can we? adapt our process to make a really hoppy beer um and that's kind of what happened with Hoponius union and uh you know since then it's it's been amazing how many people are now brewing ipls and it's really kind of caught on we're pretty excited about you know how you know kind of gives us a lot of uh confidence that we were able to impact the the industry uh the way we have with with that beer yeah, it's just a great style. I mean, because it, it's it really acts as you know for people who don't like the the IPA, it acts like a really great gateway into that style as well. When you it's were, it's it's yeah, and it's really it's really funny because people who come in all the time, they're like, I don't like IPAs, and that we <laughs> give them this beer, and we're like, you probably won't like this beer then, and and they really enjoy it. It's like you know, it's really aromatic, but it's not quite as bitter, and it has a has a nicer finish on it. So I think it's able to to bridge that gap better. Yeah, it's not as sharp. When you were setting this together, like putting the, the hop scheduling together for this, were you thinking more in terms of kind of uh, you know an East Coast or a West Coast style IPA specifically? with anything we were thinking more west coast with uh with the, the aroma although we weren't thinking quite as bitter so it's kind of a kind of a hybrid i guess we wanted the nice flora aromatics without without the the harsh bitterness on the end so now the other thing is since you are now the i'm going to designate you as the master of this so what what do you think is kind of like <laughs> the, the key to a great ipl not forgetting it's still a lager um <laughs> So you gotta you gotta be able to you know there's a lot of things when you brew in ales that most guys do and you know you're trying to get that balance between hops and malt. That's always the traditional way of looking at at beer. You balance hops and malt. Um, for us, we're not necessarily doing that balance. You know, you don't have to just balance malt and hops. You can balance aroma with dryness. You can you can balance uh, alcohol with um, you know a barrel character. There's different things you can do to balance beer, and it doesn't always just have to be hops and malt. You kind of have to think around that a little bit. Um, I think that with the lagers, you put too much malt in. Sometimes it can get really really muddled, especially if you're trying to make a hoppy lager. Well, you are definitely the master of this. And, Jack, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. We're enjoying We have more beers to enjoy coming up. And uh, I, really, yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time to give us a call on a Sunday, man. And you, you enjoy the rest of your weekend, sir. And uh, cheers from all of us Cheers. Here. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was, this was great. Not a problem. Thank you for all the great beer. Definitely yeah, was great. Thanks. We had a lot of fun, man. Great interview. But what are we doing at Backyard Ale House this weekend? Well, or week? I should well, say the weekend's over, Derek. That was your problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I say come see us for lunch. Come see us for lunch. Lunch. Lunch is definitely a cool deal. Yeah, dine in or you can... We Weather's been delivered. really good, too. Oh, yeah, the patios. I mean, you know, where are you going to get a, a beautiful salad, fresh prepared... 
On a Sit patio. on that killer patio, man. Come on, man. Really, really good time at the Backyard Ale House in downtown Scranton. They say there's not a lot of reasons to go to downtown Scranton anymore. I disagree. But I'll tell you one that's a definite. Go into the Backyard Ale House. And that's the way you got to do it. And yeah, it's so we, cool uh, during the summer nights in downtown Scranton with everything opened up there. And they play those movies and stuff right across from oh, yeah, the restaurant and the bar. Yeah, I was just talking with Leslie Collins about that. I think they're nice. really starting that in, in June. I believe so. you, you go for dinner and then you go sit out in the courthouse and watch one of those cool movies. I think it's one of the greatest yeah, ideas ever nice. in downtown Scranton. And unfortunately, there has not been many great ideas in downtown Scranton. Oh, come on. No, I'm don't, cool. Don't, I'm cool. Don't, I'm not, not, not going to go down that road. You're right. Sorry. Let's take a break. Let's all chill out. And we'll come back with the Beer Geeks <laughs> Radio Hour. Ready to take your education to the next level? Arizona State University now offers over 90 top-tier degree programs 100% online. With ASU's highly ranked online programs, you'll earn the same degree as our on-campus students with the ability to learn wherever you want, whenever you want. Same world-renowned faculty, same leading education, same global recognition from one of the top universities in the world. Call 1-800-400-8796. That's 1-800-400-8796. I'm Jamie from Sherman Oaks, and I just graduated with my degree from Arizona State University. I chose ASU because I received the quality education I deserve in the major I wanted, all from my home. Jamie's not the only one to earn a degree from ASU. Learn more about our over 90 degree programs offered 100% online from one of the top universities. Now's the time to earn your degree online from Arizona State University. Call 1-800-400-8796. That's 1-800-400-8796. Are you suffering with hearing loss? Are you sick of people constantly complaining that your TV is too loud? Are you tired of asking people to speak up? Would you like to hear more clearly, but you don't want to wear a hearing aid that makes you look old? Then you need to try Listen Clear, a life-changing breakthrough precisely designed by top audio engineers to fit your ear almost invisibly. And you can adjust Listen Clear to find the perfect way to hear everything, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And right now, you can try ListenClear absolutely risk-free with free shipping. We'll even give you free batteries for life. So call now, 1-800-933-1554. ListenClear is lightweight and completely hassle-free, and it's practically invisible. Call for your 100% risk-free home trial with free shipping and free batteries for life. For free information, call now, 1-800-933-1554. That's 1-800-933-1554. 1-800-933-1554. Trying to find a beer you truly enjoy is becoming a rather daunting task. Everywhere you turn, another beer, another company, another slogan, another gimmick. Here at Anzalone Special Beer, we decided our gimmick was going to be, well, good taste. Perhaps not the most creative of gimmicks, of course, but certainly the most flavorful. Anzalone Special Beer. Good taste is our gimmick. Anzalo. All right. Oh, Donnelly. <laughs> it's nice to have a window in. Oh, the world. she's all into it, man. Hey, if you're cruising through Avoca, you want to stop by and see Mr. Eric. Ask him to tell you a real funny joke. He has millions of them at Grego's Spears, the convenient market there on Main Street in Avoca. It's not 600; it's 610. So many different craft domestics and uh, microbrews, uh, craft beers, all that good stuff. It's all there, wonderfully laid out. Bring home some pizza for the family as well. It's a beautiful cafe. You could sit at one of the tables and read about craft beer, and we're going to be having some cool beer tastings going on there in the near future with Gregos Beers on Main Street in Avoca. Don't short yourself when you visit to pick up your pizza or your hoagie. Make sure that Eric tells you a joke. He has a million of them every day. We all need a joke. Definitely. And if the joke doesn't make you laugh, he'll come and cut your grass. <laughs> Should I have said that? Well, you did. Oh, it's right. out there now. So we, we got all some... Right. Uh... Eric will cut your grass <laughs> if his joke doesn't make you laugh. I'm sorry. That's not true. I'm just kidding. Uh, I had to cover my, my butt cheeks on that one. All right. You got beer to drink, man. Yeah, we got, we got a few more to work. Do through. it up. What we're doing now, this is the, the Mass Rising. This is their double IPL. This is uh, an 8% one. So this is, you know, as we've done with the IPAs, there's a double IPA. So it kind of seems only 
Only Natural, there would be a double IPL, which is just as a double IPA would be. You know, a lot hoppier. You get more of a mouthfeel out of it, but it just has this really wonderful, creamy... Like, that, that lager take on this is just makes these beers... Like, like he was saying, you know, people come in saying, I don't like IPAs. I even... I We had a message a few weeks ago from someone asking about IPAs. They're trying to get into the style, but, you know, what's a good one to get into because they're all too aggressive... And that was the one thing I said to them was try some IPLs because that does have that. It takes that sharpness off. This being a double IPL, it's definitely there. This is uh, this is one that if you you know are uh, opposed to some IPAs, this might be a bit much because this is very hoppy. But if you love IPAs, this is one you will, I will say you will crap your pants about. <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> That's the technical. I, I think of like the you know the level two craft yeah. craft beer or the the level two craft drinkers, and then they'll be like, well, I don't like lagers. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's what. No, just try this. Just try this beer. They, they really have. That's the one thing I can say about this brewery. From everything I have had from them, like you know, even coming up with the next few beers we have, it, they're really pushing the bound. They're not even just doing lagers. Like that's one thing to to say we're just going to do lagers, but to then push the boundaries on what a lager is. Yeah. That's what's awesome. It's like they they are like, like even what he said when I asked about if there's a base style for Hoponius <laughs> Union. They're just kind of making that stuff up. Like they, they just as long as it's a lager, I think that they're they're fine with it and they're pushing the boundaries. Well, you know, it, it reminds me of the Smoke and Dagger. It, yeah. It's it. You know, I, I think they said it's a Schwartz beer on the label, but it's it's, it's smoky, so yeah. it should be like a Roush. Yeah, but it's, it's they they don't really. You know, the, the, to me, it's almost like Jack's Abbey is kind of uh, like a Lagunitas of, of the lager world. Yeah, like they, they yeah, don't they don't care about it. they don't care about the style. It's just the style is a good jumping off point to what they want the beer to be. But there's so much more in it. They're not interested in, in all these other because I mean, like we've said on here before, like if you're gonna stick, you know. St- Stringently to a BJCPA style guideline, it should be 1.27 yeah, OG. Uh, the OG yeah. is, yeah, yeah. You know, that's for <laughs> entering into competitions. For the drinker, it, it's just what's what's put on the label is just so you have an understanding of what you're getting into. Like if you got a beer that was a stout inside, but it you know had listed on there, I don't know, pale ale, and you pour it. You're going to get all, yeah, it's just going to be yeah. messy up a bit. But they can really, I mean, a brewery can do whatever they want to do. You're going to have a lot of pissed off people if you start doing stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's just to kind of give you an understanding of what this beer is. But adhering to specific style guidelines, that's a whole other thing. And there's nothing wrong with doing that, there, that there's a reason for that. But when you really try to push these guidelines of, of you know, what it is to be a logger, like that's what's phenomenal with this is, you know, the logger is and has long been a very underserviced beer in the craft beer industry, mainly because of the time it takes to brew one. It's just something a lot of breweries don't want to get involved with because, you know, what they can turn around and the time it takes them to brew a logger, they can turn around maybe three, four beers, like three, yeah, four ales yeah. that they can crank out. And make it's money. not, it's definitely not like a production oriented, uh, you know, uh, jig, I guess you could say, you yeah. know, <laughs> it, it's, it's not one. Well, that's why I said like, you know, I'm sure a lot of people told him when he said, I'm going to start doing only loggers. People probably said, are you nuts? Yeah. That's, that's a tough thing to start out with because, well, you know, you you know, especially if you're small, like if you're a small yeah. brewery, you're tying up equipment, you're tying up fermenters well, and stuff that like, and starting out yeah. too, you're, you're making that investment into everything. That's why people get into doing ales. Cause you're buying all those ingredients and buying your, you want a quick turnaround yeah. to get your money back. You're, you're buying it to do a lager, and then you're sitting on it for a longer period of time yeah. waiting to get your money back. And then you have to, and in that time, you have to then buy more ingredients before you even sell the first one to get it right back in and get it going again and then wait again. So it's it's a really, it's a tough one to start out doing, but I mean, there's there's a lot of ways around it to speed up the lagering process that's you know a little more technical that some home brewers are starting to get into doing. But it's just, it's a tough one to do, and that's why you see a lot of craft breweries kind of avoid doing loggers because they don't want to tie up the equipment. Yep, and obviously, you know, tying up equipment is capital. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it was funny. We um, uh, went out to Great American Beer Fest, you know, maybe a few years ago. Went to go see Upslope, checked out the brewery. They were, they were tiny. They were just in this little, little one, you know, one storage uh, kind of, you know, uh, commercial unit. Like they, they didn't even have room to expand to the left and right. Um, you know, we're like asking him, well, what is it, you know, like, what does it take? He's like cash. 
lots and lots and lots <laughs> of cash. Yeah, it's not an easy, like that. That's something that I think some people may not even think of. Is yeah, you know, doing that like you really have to. You have to have a good starting. Point oh my god, because yeah. that, that's going to kill you really quickly yeah. if you're expecting like, oh, I'm going to brew this. People are going to come and buy. It. Like, well, you got to brew it, and then you got to wait months before you can put it out there yeah. and get everything to drop out. Because that's the worst thing. You know, when you're doing a longer, you don't want to rush it and have those sulfur notes coming through. Yeah. Because then people that are really, if someone's, uh, you know, really sensitive to that, that's going to put them off indefinitely. Because <laughs> yeah. that's a flavor or a note. If you're if you're sensitive to it and you get that smell, it's it's not something that it's you want. It's not wanted. pleasant. No, you're not going to no. come back for something like that. And also, you know, some loggers are going to have that. It's just it's part of it, but to really have that drop out really is a great showcase on how do you know how to brew a lager like really well and not not have that. Some of them, you know, it's subtly in there, it's, it's acceptable, but if you don't like it, it'll put some people off. And uh, but I mean to really do this and push these out and then push the boundaries. And speaking of pushing the boundaries, we're, we're getting into now the next one. This is their Berliner style lager. It's what they have labeled as is a sour wheat beer. It's it's kind of more in line with a, a Berliner Weiss beer, so it's got those tart notes or anything. But it, it's interesting. It, I it's, pour some of this. <laughs> it's three and a half percent, so it's a really this is this is a summer beer for them, um, and it's a perfect summer beer. Like you know, you're starting to see a lot of Goza and uh, Weiss beer starting to become really popular because it has those sour notes. And you know, we've talked on here before the sour beer style is really taking off, uh, but it has the sour wow. notes to it. Yeah, it's, it's it's subtle though in this. It's a lot more subtle. Uh, this is actually a really great one to have if you're trying to get into that sour beer style and maybe you've had some that are a little too aggressive. It's very subtle. Oh, yeah, this is very subtly yeah. sour. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, first time taking yeah. a sip of it, you know. Some of them, though, like the lactic, the tart, it'll be like, like imagine taking a bite of the sourest oh, yeah. granny apple it's ever like, and you're like. Dumping a whole thing of Sour Patch Kids <laughs> in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> It's just that that's what some of them are. This is definitely, but they what they did with this is they use a sour mash technique, uh, which smaller uh, breweries or breweries that don't really have, like, you know, we had Wicked Weed on here a few weeks ago. They have the Funkatorium. They have a separate area for their sour beers. Most breweries are going to have that because they're scared to death to introduce sour beer into the brewery, and we've, we've gone over that, what it'll do in there. Uh, but if you use a sour mash technique, that doesn't really you, you can get away with doing like locally we have breaker brewing that's what they do whenever they do the sour beers because it'll keep a lot of you can clean it up a lot easier basically mm-hmm. that's what it is you're not going to be introducing all these other like Britannomyces like you'll just get some stuff like lactobacillus is really the, the main one that'll come through in that and uh, you know it, it's just really nice though it's subtle in this which I like it, it's very subtle but it's very citrusy it's a really refreshing. I mean, this is this is another one that's perfect for summer at three and a half percent. I mean, this is one if you're out doing lawn work. Well, that pilsner that we had yeah. in the front was the same, but I mean, to me, uh, you know, I'd probably go for you know a sour beer before I grab a pilsner. But this is, yeah, this is exceptional. Really, it's really and I love. I really I've been on a kick lately of just really enjoying really light sessionable beers. Like that's just where I've been gravitating towards. Maybe it's just the summer's coming around, or, but it's just, I, I really love a good light. And it, it, the thing it's with this, it's interesting too, is usually when you get a three something percent alcohol beer, you can feel it. Like in the mouth feel, it feels, this actually feels a little thicker. It doesn't feel. Yeah, it's gotta be maybe some of the wheat grain. Coming yeah, it doesn't or, have, it doesn't have that watered down feeling like some of them do. Like when you take a sip, like it'll be good, but you know it's light. This doesn't have that characteristic. Ed, what are you thinking? You've been quiet today. What are you thinking about this one? He's still <laughs> upset about the blinded, uh, blinding me with the shiny head. He's not only kids. What do you think, Ed? Uh, this is really good. Um, it is sour, but it's not overpowering. Um, it's got it's got a clean finish. I I, I don't think I would put this in the uh, Berliner style. Um, but that's the way they market it. I mean. Yeah, that, that, oh, yeah, the other thing that's interesting with this, too, is they use a lager yeast still for this. They, they still yeah. lagered this beer. So they took, like they said, they took a style and then just kind of tinkered with it and made it into a lager variation on it. And speaking of, now we're, now we're going to just add... You're jumping the... i got to wow. finish oh, this go other ahead, one. Go ahead. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're getting... We're, we're pressed against time as usual. <laughs> but we're going to destroy our palate now going off of that one. Uh, we just poured some of the barrel-aged Framingham. Now, this is a, a Baltic porter. Uh, been barrel-aged. But again, lagered. Like, they, they took this style and really tinkered with it, made it a lager, barrel-aged it. Um, I have not had the regular variation on Framingham. I like to do a side-by-side with that. But they have a couple different versions of this now. They have, like, a vanilla. I've seen a vanilla. 
I believe there's vanilla, chocolate, and coconut, I believe, are the three. I don't know. They, they have a couple different ones. But I know they have a vanilla and, and a coconut, maybe a coffee. Maybe that's the other one. And then they have this bourbon barrel aged. But this is one they, they seem to do a lot of experimenting with. But it's a big, beefy 10% alcohol. So we're, we're jumping from a very lovely, light, luscious <laughs> three and a half to a, a dark and decadent. Don't try this at home. Yeah, this is a, this is a, big, this is a big jump. <laughs> The, the mouthfeel is something that kind of like jumps well, out at me. You know, yeah. it's it's got um, silky smooth. Yeah, very. That's yeah. the word that was coming. I, mean, I think maybe some of the oats that are that it's brewed with come through, and at ten percent, it's very it's very imperial stout like. Yeah, but it, it has <laughs> slight this, bourbon notes. Yeah, you get some like vanilla. There's there's coconut and uh, a little bit of chocolate malt in there. It, it's just this is definitely a really nice dessert one. It's kind of good. You'd never expect on. a lager to have this sort I know, of mouthfeel. That's, what, that's what's amazing with this is like, you know, this is a lager, but this has all these other notes and characteristics that we associate with other styles that are ales. And the, just to be able to do this and, and you know, because you have to do that, that cold process. Like you have to go through that to do that. And that usually changes how a beer is. The other thing he mentioned too, is that sometimes it like his yeast is flexible or their yeast is flexible yeah. enough oh, yeah. to, 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 to grab some different temperatures. So I think of those crossover styles, like alt beers or Kolsch's or whatever. Um, you know, this is, who knows, maybe this isn't a true 34 degrees. Maybe this yeah. might be like 45 it's brewed at or, or fermented at. So it's it's still this is one this is definitely a, a great if you are a fan of imperial stouts or those bourbon barrel aged beers that you know everyone loves throwing things in bourbon barrels now this is definitely one that oh, this is phenomenal this is just another another thing to be able to show how great beer can be and how you can push the boundaries on what a style is and they've done that across the board today with all these different ones you know getting into doing these IPLs that are now like you said they're really taking off that is a style you're seeing a lot of breweries getting into and just really getting them out there because it has you know the IPA is something is the biggest you know crappier style we know now and now having the IPL is a great introductory style for people to get into doing the IPAs so there's so much within that yeah but it's not it's, it is an introductory beer yeah. but it's not just limited oh, yeah, to yeah, anybody yeah. you'll go any, back to yeah. it that's definitely one you'll go back to I mean it just that could be the thing that if you've been trying to get into IPAs try an IPL because it'll, it'll have a little bit more of a round profile to it and it might be the thing that gets you into it and then once you get acclimated to the hops you can start getting into other things yeah. but th- it's definitely especially these IPLs these are ones that I'm going to be I'm going to be having these on hand for a while because this is especially throughout the summer having a great lager is always associated with summer and having all these variations on it. And these are also fun ones to, to screw with your, your craft beer friends with. Like, this, did you know this is a lager? <laughs> <laughs> Just to kind of, you know, if you want to be that guy, you can be that guy with this <laughs> oh, oh, I bet you know this is a lager. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, I mean, this is another great brand. I'm, I'm very happy that we have them here. As you said, like they, they're limited right now with where they're distributed. And we are very lucky that we have them in our immediate area. We can go well, to the store. Well, like you said, we got a shipment. I know, yeah. I know we were, like, filling out the pre-order. Yeah. I'll take, you know, some of this. I'll take some of this. Yeah. And they're like, you kind of got what you got. Like, yeah. they tried to fulfill most of the pre-order stuff. And this is one of those breweries that, like, for craft beer enthusiasts, you know, they're really tuned into this brewery. I think for the re- regular kind of uh, general craft consuming public, this brewery is way under the radar yeah, for a lot of people. Yeah, they're still small for a lot yeah. of people. But I think as, as and especially once they expand in this new brewery, yeah. you're going to really start to see. Because the word of mouth in these breweries can't oh, everybody. Yeah. Next week, let me plug next do week. Up. Next week, we're going to have Duclaw Brewing. We're actually going to do a two-fold interview, which is going to be awesome. We're going to really get into it. Talking to owner Dave Benfield and brewmaster Jim Wagner. So we're doing a, a tag team on Duclaw next That's week, cool. which is going to be awesome. And we got great beers from them for that one. And looking forward to it. Backyard Billy's here from Backyard Alehouse. Thank you very much. Thank of you. course, Polish Ed, thank you for dropping in again, having some beers with us. We are the Beer Geeks. Hear us pour. On behalf of all of us, consider yourselves dealt with. <laughs>